you know, we've got a weird, a lot of crazy sh- shit going on with uh, the post office right now. Yeah, well, I did my part. I got my stamps. Yeah, you got your stamps. You got yeah. your stamps, buddy. I gotta, I gotta get my stamps. My Wonder Woman stamps uh, that I love so very much ran out some time ago. Yeah, no, I got uh, stamps for the woman who uh, founded my high school. That is super cool. You know, I saw those stamps on uh, your post on Facebook, and I was wondering what the significance of those particular stamps were, and that's really cool. Yeah, because you went to a you went to a performing high school, isn't that true? Yeah, I went to it. It was like fame, but not with as great a production value. <laughs> so you're saying your high school had a. Uh, subpar production values well that's just a shame oh no 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 i'm not ta- I'm, I'm talking like not everyone was busting out in song and dance in the hallways and you know i mean sometimes they were like when rent came out holy shit everyone was singing that in the hallways oh all the theater kids were singing that um yeah, yeah my, just talking about all the minutes right yeah they they a lot it's the only reason why I know anything about Rent in the first place is from high school. I've never seen it, I've never read it, but I've heard most of it sung. Um, uh, pretty well, actually. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock on him. I, I was a terrible actor in high school. Um, really pardon, wait, p- pardon, pardon me, pardon my incredulity, but I don't believe that for a second. Oh no, dude! I was dog shit. <laughs> like my first year, right? So okay, all right. So I get in. I had the audition twice. The first time, I was not chosen. Second time, excuse me. Wait. Um. Let, let oh. me. Let yeah, me walk this back yeah, for a second. Back, sure. Did you walk? Or wait, sorry. <laughs> Did you audition for high school? Yes. So that was what. Yes. All right. So, all right. Let me, I'll explain it. I'll try to explain it relatively quickly. Um, School of the Arts, which is still here in San Francisco, is a arts public school. So it's public, it's funded, you know, by the city and, you know, donations and all that stuff. But the thing is, for you to get into a particular discipline, you would have to audition in theater's case for dance, you would have to dance. For art, you would have to uh, bring your portfolio, and it would wow. have to cover, you know, like uh, perspective, painting, you know, realistic, abstract, like whatever the requirements were. You'd have to bring that, and then you would be judged. And then you would not only be judged on that, but at the time I went was a, a bigger judge of academics. So I think that's the reason why I got in the second time, because they were like, oh, well, let the fat kid join in. And uh, because he's got like a B <laughs> average, so he can't be too bad. Um, so I got in, and uh, we used to do Shakespeare. And uh, to this day, I cannot stand Shakespeare, and I think this is part of it. But I remember they're like, okay, we, we, we would study Shakespeare for like two, three months, like a quarter. And the whole thing was a buildup of being able to do a Shakespearean monologue and a sonnet. My first year, I was like, I want to do, oh man, I, I remember seeing this on the PBS, so I'm going to do the uh, Richard III uh, opening monologue, uh, St. Crispin's Day or something like that. 
I'm sure I'm butchering Don't ask it. me. It's fine. I won't ask you. So the only reason why I wanted to do it was because I remember uh, watching Are You Being Served? <laughs> that hit comedy <laughs> from the BBC. Yes. And they're like, oh, no! okay is the winter of your discontent and that's what i wanted to do and that's how it starts until i got on stage and had 70 people in front of me bright lights where you can't see anybody stage fright setting and i bomb that bad um uh, every year i pretty much bombed shakespeare until my final year there and i remember i was so happy because you would be studying and doing all this uh, thought-provoking stuff and then you would uh, you'd be doing character studies based off of the monologue you chose and then you would go on stage you'd perform it and then pick a sonnet and if you were chosen you would go on to like a um, California Shakespeare night type of thing so I remember I was so ecstatic because I did not have to after I was like after this day is done of me performing it I no longer need to remember Shakespeare, ever say his name again. I'm golden. So here I am getting ready. It's the seniors day, so it's about to come up. And I was like, shit, I didn't memorize my sonnet the whole time. I, I, I just worked on my monologues. So I didn't <laughs> memorize my sonnet. I said, shit. So I sat there and about 11 minutes before I had to go on stage, I memorized it. It burnt right through it. Sonnet's 14 lines. It's not like it's a lot, but back then I could memorize anything. Ask me to memorize a pen number now. I'm dead to rights. You're not going to, I can't do it anymore. Like, uh, one. Anyway, I go on stage. <laughs> Don't give away your pen number. <laughs> well, it starts with a one, ends with a four. Good luck trying to figure <laughs> out the middle two numbers. Um, <sighs> so I get on stage. I perform my monologue. I then performed the sonnet I just memorized, and I go sit back in the audience. Then comes, you know, the teachers walk off, and they all start reviewing everything, and they start going all over stuff. And then they come out, and they start announcing the names, and they're going through everyone's name. And, you know, you're clapping like this. True, sure, sure. Right? And I'm like, That's how you yeah. clap. Yeah, that's how you clap. And that's how I clapped, because I was like, each clap brought me closer to being able to dump all this stuff from my brain and focus on things that was important. Star Wars, comic books, toys, video games. The true culture. Exactly. We would not have this podcast today if I did not have that thirst for knowledge. So anyway, here I am clapping. And then they go, John King. And I'm just clapping along. I did not register they said my name, but you better believe everyone in that audience did because they started to turn around and looked at me. And I was like, <laughs> shit, that means I got to keep this in memory for a few more days. <laughs> you know, so then people, you very much doomed yourself with I your uh, talent. I did because I was garbage. So anyway, I, I go take my notes and you have to. So that was the worst part. You get picked, and then you have to wait after school for your sonnet notes and your your uh, monologue notes. So there I am waiting in line. I get called in, and the teacher was like, we thought your monologue was good, but you have to understand who Falstaff is. Um, you know, going through all these things, and he's really pleading with Henry, right? They're giving me these notes. 
but we have no notes on your sonnet. That was perfect. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I guess it just shows what kind of uh, performer you are. You need the pressure of forgetting to do <laughs> the key thing any actor is asked to do and you uh you're you're like you know what you're like a christopher walken um because you know every time (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sad i talked uh talked over that uh pitch perfect um impression and as uh as far as the uh listeners know it was pitch Pitch perfect perfect. (laughs) Saga, you know we keep it groovy. Uh-huh. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop. Breaking news, breaking news from the podcast desk of Pop Saga, Gotham's favorite pop culture podcast. Let me introduce reporter Forrest Lane, and as always, I am John Olson, amateur photographer and novelty bird watcher. Forrest, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I'm sad that I can't live up to the, uh, the expectations set by my family's namesake. <laughs> kind of riding Lois's coattails, uh, but I'm doing good. It's alright, I can't stand Jimmy. We always yeah? argue at Thanksgiving. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't name you Johnny Olson. Oh, because they know I hate the name true fact okay really yeah, you pumped out and first thing you said was like johnny's off the table pretty much well i used to be teased with it incessantly in the early uh, 80s there was a song called there's johnny who said or whatever there she goes and knows i'm dying when she says That's all I remember, but they used to do that with me all the time. Who's Johnny? Who's Johnny? And now to this day, I For other people, Johnny is fine. Call me Johnny or Jonathan. There will be a there. There will be words. I. I, 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 I John is not happening. So that was Baby John. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That sounds about right. Listen, I. Uh, I didn't test that voice out before I did it. <laughs> yeah, it scared the shit out of me. I thought you so, yeah. Guy. It did sound like a, like some sort of weird leprechaun, but um, that was a baby, and that was Baby John. I think, quite obviously. I mean, that voice was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I remember barely back those days, so I, I think it checks out. Yeah, I agree. So, um... So, John, why are we having a special report this week? Because this is this is a very special report. This is as hot off the presses as Pop Saga has ever been. Because yeah, we're yeah. recording this on the Sunday before we come out on Thursday. Yeah, it, it's nuts. So, um, little uh, folks, I guess inside baseball, maybe we should change the sport. So, inside Foursquare, uh, it's the only sport I know how to play. Um, I don't, though. Is that a problem? 
as long as one of us knows how to do one of those sports, I think we're covered. So do you play baseball? I don't. I mean, as oh. far as sports goes, um, I am not good at any. So let's just stick with Foursquare. Yeah, Foursquare. Yeah. So anyway, inside Foursquare is uh, we record these uh pretty far in advance um let's just say it sticks with our production like nature to always be ahead versus uh be caught off guard so this is different because one we're going to be talking about some news that just happened um this past week and uh we wanted to kind of talk about it as opposed to let this fester over 20 30 years and then bring it up and why it would be pop culturally relevant because it's pop culturally relevant now um, and what we're going to be talking about is the layoffs at DC and, uh, you know, by proxy Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. The big restructuring at, uh, at, at DC. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we, I think we both have a lot of, uh, complex feelings about this, but, um, I think to both of us. And probably to, I mean, definitely to millions of people, maybe billions of people, who knows? Wait. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> like, a lot of, clearly, a lot of people um, have been impacted, affected, uh, fallen in love with um, DC properties. The, the and, I, and what I'm talking about is primarily the comics and... And the sort of secondarily, all the uh, media that has uh, that has been generated from DC. But I think this is a it's a big change, and I think it's natural to sort of be a little bit nervous about uh, a change like this. Yeah, definitely, especially when you've been uh, hearing rumors over the past few years about DC's declining sales, how. Um, New 52 didn't necessarily have the impact that they were expecting it to. Even uh, uh, the upcoming, what was supposed to be a launch of, it was called 5G or like fifth generation, if I'm, or fifth, yeah, I think fifth generation, which was going to be this decade's uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths for anyone listening who's realized that, where they kind of tried to realign the. Uh, DC Universe into a cohesive um, overall arc. Um, and there were just yeah, rumors... Yeah, a reset. Of, right? Yeah, exactly. Where New 52 was kind of... God, okay. Uh, see if you follow me, and if not, I'll uh, try to say it better. There you go. Uh, New 52 <laughs> was kind of like Marvel's Ultimates. So they wanted to have a very streamlined jumping off point um, for new readers to be able to come in who might not necessarily understand what happened in the past or more interested in the characters now because of movies or um, current, you know, cartoons or TV shows that were out kind of explaining things. They wanted to have a very streamlined universe. The problem with New 52 was just in general, certain heroes were impacted by it, other heroes were not. So Batman's continuity did not change 
in New 52. So the things that happened in the past still happened to him, even though he got younger again and other things. So was off to a messy start. Um, you know, gave a bunch of new costumes and stuff. But at the end of the day, the impact wasn't there. So again, they were shooting for... Um, uh, 5G, which was ex-editor-in-chief uh, uh, Dan DiDito, DiDio, DiDio, Dan DiDio. I have also not heard it said out loud. I've only read it, so I am not going to be any sort of life preserver for you today. I, uh... It's it's fine. I, I'm used to drowning at this point. Um... <laughs> I mean, um, it's like, I don't even know what you're talking about, really, but, like, uh, 2020 has me just believing whatever. If you told me right now, you're like, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco is now underwater, and uh, we have to live in these sort of, like, uh, makeshift bubbles, and <laughs> I would be like, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, yeah, with all the thunderstorms and stuff, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Might as well yeah. be in fire tornadoes now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm cool. Um, it's all good, though. It's great. Everyone's yeah. doing great. Yeah. Um, super. This you know. is super. It's super. But please continue. <laughs> what isn't super is what's going on with uh, DC and the changes. So um, you just want to kind of say right? something real yeah, quick. Yeah, that was My apologies good. for interrupting. But, of course. But, uh, about the new... 52 yeah um so i was there for it i um i like the idea at least in principle i like the idea because at the at the time they had like too many alternate realities too many story threads things were sort of messy continuity wise so they felt like okay we're going to boil down the the dc universe to just like these 52 important characters and everyone else just doesn't exist and this is sort of like a condensation of the of the realities into into one sort of what they thought would be more cohesive um really i mean like you said the changes ended up being kind of confusing i think as far as superman went i really what Oh, Jesus. No, I just remember what happened with Superman and during that. Well, time. yeah, I mean, like, that, a lot of weird stuff happened, but I really loved the um, the Joe Ramada Jr. Um, Ramita? Ramita. Ramita. I said it's a Ramada. Like, he's like a fucking a hotel. A R- Ramita Jr. Wait, wait, hold on one second. Are Ramada still around? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is any hotel still, still around? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, I mean, pre-pandemic, yes, Ramadas were still around. I don't um, know about that. I th- I'm almost positive I stayed. I'm not one. looking it up though. I'm okay, well, up. I think that's pretty very consistent with our image. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so anyway, John Romita Jr. Mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just li- really love his run on uh, on Superman. I love the high collar super suit. Um, that whole design was really appealing to me. The only thing I didn't like was the uh, every hero got like these weird channels 
on their suit, which were like these like sort of indentations that might suggest armor plating or just like a way the suit sort of comes together. And um, so many heroes got them that it, it was sort of really obvious that that design was coming from a single place. Which, when you consider the background of all these heroes and sort of how they got their suits, kind of is doesn't work st- like from a stylistic standpoint. But that being said, yeah, I liked a lot of the aesthetics of the new Fifty Two, but I found the stories to be sort of um, didn't really resonate with me. And I think to your point, that was true for the the public at a large because they did not stick with that continuity. Yeah, well, it just it it was one of those things. It mattered to, for those who mattered, and other ones were absolved from it. So, in uh, Batman's regards, like I said, the past like couple storylines that happened before that, the Court of Owls, Night of Owls, all those storylines leading into the New Fifty Two were all fine because that all happened. Where you then get. You know, a Superman who is a little bit more alien in nature. You know, normally the, the the whole counterpoint to Superman is how human he is compared to the humans he saves. Even though he is super, he is very down to earth. But, you know, they, they try to change that. Um, try to get him hooked up with, and I think successfully hooked up with Wonder Woman. You know, so like... A fair amount of fan service or uh, slash fiction sure, made, yeah. made it into real. To your point, a lot of the costumes all had this similar kind of design. And I mean, that just comes from Jim Lee designing the core set. Yeah, but, and that's but also, the, uh, not the last time I think we'll talk about Jim Lee today. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is, this is huge. I mean, this news just kind of trickles down. Um across the board and so oh, absolutely yeah like i i do want to kind of give listeners a sense that you know force and i though we are pop sagaist and um australia's favorite pop culture podcast citation uh, needed yeah thank you i i sh- i it's weird because i did a little asterisk in the air but that doesn't work right <laughs> well uh, lawyers out there, if you're listening, just remember that he did the asterisks in the air with his hand while he was recording, so... We're cool? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Sure. Lawyers, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> but we we are not reporters, for real. You know, we are just talking about how this is going to... This, this is just going to be us uh, kind of doing what Forrest and I used to do and we still do a lot where we just kind of hear the news we take the news and we just kind of throw up um our guesses it's kind of what's going on focuses that are you know anything that throw up for real yeah when i heard this it was all all chunks all the time (laughs) yeah this is something you know the the i guess the one thing to a you know, people who are, you know, fans of pop culture is kind of maintaining that culture. We're, we're keepers of it in one way or the other. And to have something that could impact a an entity like DC Comics, which I've known for my whole life and was there, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus years, you know, or 40 plus, I guess, 
beforehand. <laughs> you yeah, went I'm, back in time. Right? You know, but this is this this is important, so we're just gonna kinda discuss uh, the events, but again, we are not specialist, we are not, you know, analyst. We're just gonna kinda uh, point out the high notes. I'll point out the high notes that I saw, things that I took from it, and we're just gonna have a discussion about it. Yes. I just want to throw I mean, that there are there. positives and negatives, and I think that there is no doubt about that. Um, and we will be covering both those things. But um, yeah, just to back up with you, what you said, uh, right? We are we have done some research, we have read some stuff, but we don't know any more than the the general public. And um, the following will just be our opinions and sort of uh, knee jerk, or I should say, first blush reactions to this uh, very big news. So, um, join us. Follow along on this journey down what could be a pop song uh, travesty. <laughs> yes, it could. It could be the uh, exploding fiery Batman, the animated series dirigible that we've never wanted to see. Yep. Yeah. No. Definitely, we don't want to see some sort of uh, Batman X Hindenburg. Um, but uh, John. Why don't you give us a brief overview of what exactly happened at DC? What sort of news are we talking about for those who either don't care or maybe somehow haven't heard of this? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. I think I'm ready with this. Oh, fantastic. I didn't, I didn't write I didn't anything. I did put you on the spot just now. You did. And I did not write <laughs> anything. So we're going to go with it. But um, I kind of feel it's important for people to kind of understand how this is um uh trickling down um i'm a second time i've said that i tell you why i was reading a book talking reading about a lot down. about reagan and yeah honestly down economics yes actually um <laughs> just <laughs> trying to uh, re-educate myself anyway um at&t is the parent company um back in 2017 at&t bought uh warner brothers and all of its subsidiaries and um, companies that kind of fit underneath that umbrella. And one of them is DC. Um, so that is how this plays. AT&T did not hit its... Uh, did layoffs in 2017. I did think they did some in 2018. We're fine in 2019. But in 2020, due to the pandemic, their revenue targets were... A little slim this isn't this might be part of the reason so they didn't hit their numbers that they wanted and that had to go down to all divisions warner brothers being one of them because uh, warner brothers i think barely brought in any money compared to what they normally did and uh, warner brothers for those who don't know own um hbo there you go. And HBO is the big money maker for Warner Brothers outside of uh, theatrical distribution, because uh, television di distribution's huge. So anyway, it sure is. Yeah. So then that from Warner Brothers kicked through and went down to DC. So what happened was um, layoffs impacted 600 plus people. The number from Warner Brothers side was 650, but I do not know if the 650 people who unfortunately lost their 
jobs if that 650 even included the dc layoffs because i have not been able to find that number uh reports had dc's layoffs uh, being reported as a bloodbath um i've heard that too and it's it seems to have affected the uh or at least in a large part the senior staff at dc which was i think is is fair to say and probably charitable to say uh gutted yeah and it, it, this went from the fact that warner media itself got a new ceo a few months ago his name is jason kalar and really his thing was i think he was told you got to find ways to save money and bring a unity across the board um so to give you an idea you know, on warner brothers side um, they let go of some of their people who've been with the company for like 20, 30 years. They let go of their uh, president of worldwide distribution, uh, worldwide theatrical distribution, the, an executive vice president, another executive vice president and CFO of Warner Brothers Entertainment. Though They were let go. And the, the whole point was the refocus on three areas and i think this is important because this is actually going to again uh, go into what's going on with dc um there are three areas of refocusing are consumer facing operations direct to consumer and i think that's a big one and global growth with those kind of guidelines in place you can i could kind of easily see why uh, DC was impacted the way it was. Uh, to your point, many of their senior editorial, marketing, and administrative personnel were let go. Um, their high-profile DC departures were Bob Harris, uh, DC's editor-in-chief, Hank Canales, uh, senior vice president, publishing strategy and support services, Bobby Chase, VP global publishing initiatives and digital strategy, Jim Lee at this time uh, remains as DC creative chief or chief creative officer, uh, CCO. CCO. Normally he is always typically paired up with somebody else who kind of helps with more of the administrative business, business, business stuff versus kind of the, uh, the more operational business stuff. Yeah. I think before he held, um, sort of dual roles as a uh, head of publishing, and also chief creative officer, but um, you know he retains the uh, chief creative officer title. And uh, yeah, needless to say, the yeah there was very many many senior staff uh, laid off, and um, the repercussions of this um, we don't need to wait to figure out what uh, kind of like what the future will be because we in short order we got. Uh, a, a laundry list of ca of canceled DC comics. Yes. Um, so these layoffs impacted pretty much every part of their um, divisions, in including um, print. And yeah, at DC Comics, they're ending. Was it Young Justice, Teen Titans, John Constantine Hellblazer? Hawkman and Suicide Squad. And Suicide Squad I find interesting, especially since you have a movie going to be coming out sometime in the future. Um, also a, a rumored um, Rocksteady game 
Suicide Squad game as well, so it's interesting that you would then be getting rid of that comic book. That's a good idea, honey. Uh, those are just some of the titles. I'm sure other ones will be mentioned um, as soon as they figure out if those titles made them enough money or uh, did a little bit more than breaking even. Yeah, because I think and when you hear that about that much editorial staff being laid off, the first thing you have to assume is that the number of titles for next year will be impacted. And like I said, we don't have to wait. We know now. Um, as you just listed out, there are very many uh, titles being impacted. And so I think this this I think the the deepness of the cuts uh, at DC in particular um, are very interesting to me because I think if you go back and you look at the cuts that were made to Warner, there is a bit of logic here. Um, I'm not saying, well, I don't know, you know, I, I, it's very fresh news and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it, uh, yet, but, um, like it was clear that the business model and the corporate structure that they had previously at WB was fairly archaic and probably wouldn't last, have lasted, um, too far into the future. Uh, there was a lot of like sort of compute, uh, confusing, um titles that people had they sort of like uh oversaw disparate aspects of the the um the like the the media empire that that wb is and in a way this sort of corporate streamlining could like um lead wb to a more uh focused approach because granted yes they have made multi-billion uh, dollar movies, but like uh, when you compare them to the returns that Marvel is taking in, and Disney, you know, by proxy or by uh, conversely, like you have, you know, the orders of magnitude more. So clearly, something was calling for change and. This new CEO was like, I think previously he was at Hulu, if I'm not mistaken. And I think sort of he brings the more sort of Silicon Valley, flatter uh, corporate structure uh, uh, mindset to, to what we're seeing here. So I think there are positives there. Like having, I heard that prior to this restructuring, like, if you wanted to pitch a show to HBO, you would also have to pitch to the people at HBO Max in two separate pitch ses sessions, which, like, sounds like so much um, corporate bullshittery to me. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, especially if one is going so well on the other side, they don't see a benefit to it. Uh, that could lead to some... Really cool stuff never making the light of day because uh, some exec at one branch or the other didn't care for it. Yeah, um, I mean, as much like kind of shitty things you hear about, um, like uh, executives or or producers sort of nixing cool creative decisions that you wish you could have seen. Um, at least in this new structure, there will be one less <laughs> of those roadblocks. Yeah, I mean, look, 
given everything that's going on, it's really shitty to lay off anybody. No, no one should be reeling from this, and I'm not, and there will be no but from me uh, on on this end. It sucks. Uh, it, to that point, see, I didn't say but. To that point, <laughs> it does allow you to kind of refocus, reorient, and uh, maybe get rid of things that have, yeah, been uh, blockages before, might have slowed down the process. I mean, everyone's worked at some place where you might have go, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why do I have to push this button twice when pushing it the second time doesn't do squat? And, you know, it's just, it's just part of procedure. You have to do it. And, you know, in this end, uh, taking out some of the more draconian ways that they would handle business or distribution, things like that, might be better for Warner Brothers overall. Um, I'm, I mean, just kind of going with their, their three core focuses, their big thing is everyone and their mama is afraid of Netflix and and the streaming onslaught that it brought. So just kind of taking a look at it, HBO or Warner Brothers focuses as much, how do we focus on streaming and getting things to the uh, consumer while also getting that sweet, sweet, you know, streaming money and making people decide between do I want Netflix or do I want HBO Max? Because, you know, I, how do I put it? Like, with a lot of the different streaming services, you could take a look at them and go, I mean, CBS, eh, right? There's, there are things, you know, they have Star Trek, that's its big pull, but CBS itself isn't like this monster movie, t- film, TV distribution. Not as much as Warner Brothers would be, just, I think, in the sheer volume of IPs, and back catalogness. So, and HBO has been making waves for years with all its, you know, critically acclaimed TV shows, including, you know, Watchmen that just came out recently. Focusing on streaming makes a lot of sense because you could have a really expansive back catalog. The problem was when HBO Max was thought of, Warner Brothers already uh, sent out a lot of their goods to different streaming services so they're trying to consolidate everything back together including you know um kind of what's going on now with dc and say dc universe you know i i I was a early adopter of dc universe um but when i heard at&t bought warner brothers i knew that you know dc universe was gone and yeah um, they do not seem to value that brand um i think with the deep cuts you're seeing to dc comics and then the fact that many of uh dc universe's core um uh ip or i guess their 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 content that was exclusive to that platform is um taking flight to uh hbo max and and at this point they're not even bothering to like uh like disguise their sort of abandonment of it um just recently uh it was confirmed that many uh, several other 
uh, exclusive uh, DC Universe titles would be migrating over to the the Max platform. So um, I'm calling it here and now. Um, as we've said uh, privately to each other many times <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, R.I.P. DC Universe. Um, yeah. We hardly knew you. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, with the news of that, I don't. How do I put it? I don't think DC Universe in its current iteration is gone. And I mean, why have two streaming services? Why um, divide your viewership when you could just have people, you know, watch all of that content on HBO Max? There's, there's no litigation you have to deal with. You own everything anyway. You just put in a new selector on the bottom that says superheroes or however you want to say it and it gives you access to all the tv shows cartoon shows that are on that are currently on dc universe um i remember when the hbo max thing came out you know i i went with hbo max just to try it out and i heard uh, the nightmare in elm street series was going to be on there and massive fan of uh, the original nightmare in elm street Anyway, just an aside. Going to... um, Then, like, a a week and a half later, I got an email from them saying, Hey, do you want to add HBO Max to your DC Universe subscription for $5 more a month? And I said, I wish I would have just known that beforehand instead of uh, splitting the subscription. Um, but then that option disappeared really quickly and, uh, pretty much there are no more DC universe packages available. So you can't say, Hey, I'm going to, I want to buy a year DC universe in advance. So that way I don't have to worry about paying it on a monthly cadence that happened. They canceled, um, their DC daily, which was their daily. TV uh, or daily streaming show, which was about all news DC. Um, they canceled that, and then they haven't been importing anything. And then uh, you just brought up they're they're shipping off all their original DC Universe content over to HBO Max anyway. So I think DC Universe is is yeah RIP. I think it'll come back maybe as just a, a comic app because that was one of the unique things about it was that it was a um not just you know video or tv content but you could also read uh, curated comics as well very much kind of like uh, marvel's unlimited uh reading service that you can get on your you know android or apple devices so i think that's probably going to be what happens to dc universe because a lot of the layoffs did also, uh, rumor anyway, uh, occurred in the DC Universe office. It's pretty much a skeleton crew now. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what we're so like we said, what we're going to see is less comics from DC, and I think uh, probably to a lot of people that's a big shrug. Who cares? Um, but I think so. Um, I read an interview with uh, Jim Lee because, of course, he was deployed right after this news to kind of reassure everybody that um, comics were still a focus for the AT&T industrial complex. 
and um, I found his answers to be sort of cynical in a way that um, made me sort of sad uh, because he basically said, you know, we need to continue providing inspiration for our movies and TV shows. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but, you know, he called comics sort of like um, an incubator for all these stories. And while that's certainly true, um, it's, it's sort of... Uh, minimized comics to me um, since they were always a very important medium for my for me pers- personally um, regardless of when they were turned into movies because you and I grew up in a time where there wasn't a lot of quality comic a- adaptations comics were the source of truth and um, and and, and, and and adventures for these characters that we really enjoyed. And so mm-hmm. to see it reduced to sort of like an idea factory for sort of more lucrative um, means and, and that being sort of your primary reason to, to reassure everybody that everything's going to be okay felt so um, corporate and cynical in a way um, that uh just took a lot of the magic out of comics and i don't know what you think but it really seems like to me that like dc in particular hasn't really hasn't really pulled that many stories from comics maybe characters and stuff but they don't really do and that many direct adaptations as far as i'm aware oh no the 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 i mean you can see the differences uh between how Disney has handled Marvel, you know, Marvel movies versus comic books. And, you know, originally Marvel Comics said, we're not going to let the movies dictate what we do. But then sure enough, people are recognizing the movies more. So Iron Man's costume start looks, you know, armor starts looking more like his movie contemporaries, you know, armor for a bit. Or they'll pull some things, but it usually the stories that they're telling from Marvel Comics are, you know, adaptations of comics we've read, excuse me, from Marvel movies or adaptations from the comics themselves. Warner Brothers has never been about that. And a lot of other superhero movies, not just Warner Brothers, anyone who's also produced a superhero movie, are... The, the source material is almost an afterthought. Let's talk about Batman 89. Right? There's, there's obviously some influences from the comics, but it's so minuscule, and it's not any particular storyline because Tim Burton wanted to tell a particular story. So Warner Brothers has never, ever, 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 ever been about taking a story from the comics and adapting it wholeheartedly or taking even, like, a 50% of a comic book other than in name. And uh, we got that with the latest round of uh, DC movies where you had, uh, you know, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Trial of the Century, Justice <laughs> League, Aquaman, all these. Uh, Wonder Woman took the ideals and the names and certain things and brought them a little closer but didn't really follow one particular um 
you know, storyline. They just kind of make up their own things. And that's, that's the difference. That's why, you know, for everyone's complaints about the Marvel movies, that is why they are so enjoyable is that they are bridging, I feel anyway, this is just my opinion, the source material and bringing it to life as best as they can versus Warner Brothers, who obviously is a separate, complete different entity than, you know, even though they own DC, they're not looking at it that way. They're like, okay, let's get that next, uh, let's do that Flash movie. He runs fast. Yeah, that'll be good. Well, should it be connected to the other ones? No, no, let's just make it be its own thing. It's fine. You know, and that's the type of shit that they do. Um, So... Yeah, it's uh, the the only place that DC would follow this uh, a, a particular storyline was with their animation. Yeah, yeah, you could argue that that's that's one area that they were far superior, as they would do direct comic arc a- adaptations and then put that out as a, a sort of direct to consumer, um, you know, uh, Blu-ray or DVD or or in these days, a, uh, a streaming offering. Yeah, I think the only one that I remember them uh, sending to theaters was Killing Joke. And I always thought that was a joke, because I was like, have you have you read Killing Joke recently? I haven't. So Killing Joke is a book, it's, it's a single story, it did not take place in any sort of the continuity at the time when it came out. And it is 45 pages. Right? A thin volume. It's thin. And yet they made a, like, hour and 20 minute movie out of that. Yes. I'm going to tell you. And they added a lot of problematic content to that one. (laughs) That's exactly the point. Someone at some point said, hey, how do we take this masterpiece of a book, an examination of uh, a potential Joker's origin, if you will, and then mess it up for the first 30 minutes by putting this whole intimated affair between Batman and Batgirl, spoilers, if you're planning on watching it, and then do the latter half is the actual, you know, the, the, the actual story. It was just one of these things, it was because they had the fillet, they had to do the filler, I would have, just do, do the killing joke, make it half an hour. Put it on some sort of streaming site, do something like that. But instead, I went to the theaters because it was one of the few things streaming at one of those uh, uh, phantom events. So I had to see it, and then I was really, really disappointed in when I did. I thought, to be fair though, I thought Mark Hamill did a fantastic job um, delivering, you know, the Joker's major monologue from that. He he did great. But then they literally did the whole taunting song and dance from like it's just one panel but they had this whole dance routine and there was like didn't you learn from spider-man 3 you just don't put random dances into stuff for a reason well i mean i think that that either side could be argued in the, on that point um because i think you could you could argue quite uh definitively that uh guarded guardians of the galaxy one um sort of lived and died on various improvised dance numbers. Um, but we're not here to talk about the big M 
a big old red marble. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about direct current DC. Yeah, direct good old uh, Nikola Tesla. Was he DC or AC? I don't know, and don't at me, electricity fans. <laughs> no, I but, think Angus Young was DC. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. Um, just like the... <laughs> Thunder! You guys are over there. Just put it. Yeah, no, I'm glad the thunder's not happening right now. Yeah. I tell you, it was um, literally of biblical proportions. It knew what we were talking about today, the way the thunder was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, on. you know, um, it just goes to show the man in the sky is a big bat fan. Um, Thanks, but I think, here's the thing. Here's the thing for me. Um, so one of the other re- things about this consolidation is that they have said they're going to be able to sort of foc- focus more... Um, laser-like um, onto their like core properties. Um, but that, while I like that, I mean, having like the best talent do your Batman and Superman comics I think is cool. Um, and I do think we'll still end up seeing some of this 5G, uh, this confusingly named 5G continuity coming up. Um, and that has a lot of exciting changes uh, included within, depending on who you are. You might find that exciting or terrifying, but um, but I think what one of the things that comics have always had going for them is that sometimes the comic you don't expect makes a, um, a really great film property. And I think I will take Guardians of the Galaxy that I just men- mentioned as the ex- the prime example of that because I was a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan, not the Guardians you see on film and that you're probably um, uh, familiar with, um, but I'm talking about like uh, Vance Astro style. <laughs> um, uh, we gonna latch him up. Um, uh, Guardians team. Um, uh, so, but those that's like a really weird sort of fringe comic. And um, if Marvel at that time had decided to just focus on its popular properties, you know, we probably wouldn't have Guardians of the Galaxy. We probably wouldn't have Iron Man. Because regardless of what people think about today, Iron Man wasn't always a popular character. Um, no. not like Batman. So how many like how many of DC's Iron Men are we going to be sacrificing on the altar of corporate efficiency? I don't know, but it does make me kind of sad to think about. Yeah, it's not it it's funny because, you know, having the multitude of books trying a bunch of different artists is kind of what gives uh, artists and new artists and writers claim to fame um you see this a lot with anything that's uh again uh kind of nostalgia driven or you know habit driven or just fan driven so in this instance right fan of comics you you know some of your favorite artists are there you know, like Neil Adams, Jim Lee, you know, John Romita Jr., and you want to see them keep doing books, and they'll keep doing books, but then you want to learn about new artists. You want to see 
you know, new things and see stuff that you haven't seen before. And cutting out a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the, the B-list characters and other characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect to carry a book um, uh, could impact that. You, you, you could be missing out on these new artists because they might be going back to, to your point, to Old Faithfuls, to um, the, the Chosen Few. And, um, you know, that's, that's a shame, especially when you want to talk about reaching out to, you know, different mediums. Like, my, my hope out of this would be that because Warner Brothers is trying to streamline the process, and if DC is getting more involved in the process, maybe they can start building up a, a, a similar relationship that Marvel has with Disney as far as being able to, to bridge those gaps or or, or or fill those gaps with people who, in the principle, are fans of the um, the one medium and want to transform it to another, um, as yeah. opposed to just kind of keeping it this separated, you know, well, we'll just do, well, Superman kills people, sure. Batman, you know, like, I mean, Batman v Superman, Batman killed people, like, there was no ifs, ands, buts about it. That dude he hit into that wall with that little red blood splat happened, that dude's dead. Um, yeah. You know, he, he threw a car full of people and that shit tumbled a lot. Those are dead. And, you know, it was just because the director was like, yeah, no, well, Bat, you know, we can't be naive. Batman kills people. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Yeah. It's- he really shamed me for thinking that Batman doesn't kill people. Uh, Zack Snyder does not think highly of uh, uh, of of my um, sort of uh, understanding of uh, story and character, but um, didn't feel super authentic to me. Although I will say, um, uh, I saw Batman v Superman the first time uh, and the only time in theater with you. We saw it together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had to, because yeah, of course. I mean, it was it, it was all the all your favorites are back. Um, but uh, and I have to say, it was one of the most uh, enjoyable, fun, memorable movie times I've ever had. We uh, we saw it in the uh, San Francisco's version of the uh, Alamo Draft House, mm-hmm. and um, you know we we had libations, we had truffle popcorn. Um, and everyone in the theater was there, uh, and kind of were on the same, uh, wavelength, which was, they were watching a three hour comedy, um, about how dumb a superhero movie could get. It's all, it's just like comedy of errors. Uh, but, uh, one of my, one of my favorite, one of my top movie memories that uh, night was a good night. Oh, I enjoyed the Chitty night. Monkey. Good night. Yeah, it was a it was a great night. My favorite part was walking out, saying, "What did I just watch?" <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was in a fever dream. Yeah the uh, the resounding um, impression post that movie was, "What the fuck did I just see?" And I think the the level of electricity that was uh, was running around that you know under that big marquee um was uh infectious because people everyone was coming out of that movie being like what the hell <laughs> yeah but that, that and, uh, that's kind of great yeah but that that sort shows, of shared community experience it's kind of great 
Yeah, a collective hallucination of a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a dreadful m- movie that has, like, uh, some okay parts in it, but it did not understand the mythos because there was no one there from the DC side of things to tell them, that's, that's, I wouldn't do that. Or someone who understood that, right? Like, the one thing that I get with the Kevin Feige over at Marvel is that he likes comics, that's like just evident he he likes comics he may have read them as a kid i'm not going to assume i don't know much about them but i know enough that he can get to the spirit of the characters and that's the biggest thing when you watch spider-man to me i like tom holland he is my favorite both spider-man and peter parker if i had to go with the other two i no one asked (laughs) um Oh, you're gonna rate I, your you're gonna rate your Spider Man's right now? Oh yeah, easy, done. Wow. Um, okay, we're. I, I feel like this is a uh, pop saga mini sode. Hold on, real quick. Uh, uh here, here we go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to a live uh, podcast minisode. Now, introducing your favorite Hulk host, John, as he gives his top Spider-Man. In the DC uh, discussion. Um, Real quick. So, Tom Holland is my favorite, both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. I think he does both roles well. I think Andrew Garfield is a better peter parker but he's not that great of a spider-man and i think toby mcguire is a better spider-man than he is peter parker and i really think between andrew garfield and toby mcguire it's just how they look like i think andrew garfield looks a little bit more like peter parker to me than toby mcguire sure he had a little bit of an edgier updated peter parker he likes to skateboard kind of that's how they sort of introduce the acrobatic nature of Spider-Man in a uh, more logical way. Um, but uh, totally agree. We don't need to do an episode on this because we are 100% in alignment. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man ever. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Cue the end of the music for uh, Pop <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean i think we can kind of wrap up our thoughts about the whole uh dc news um we don't know what will happen but certainly um this kind of a drastic change at the comics and the sort of uh the reduction of books and um the the reduction of focus on dc with the sort of phasing what we assume will be a phasing out of the dc universe uh um streaming channel is um i don't know it's it feels like the end of an era feels like a big change we'll have to wait to see how it kind of shakes out but um can't say i'm too excited about it what are your thoughts about the whole thing so I think this is just them realizing that 
in a weird way, I feel that this is something that Warner Brothers realizes that they have that they should be using more strategically. At this point, uh, uh, separating uh, church and state, so to speak, isn't working for them. Um, you know, their movies made money. You know, Aquaman made money, Wonder Woman made money, but they have this whole IP here that I don't think they'd want to let go of because that would just be silly. Um, you know, like, you know, there'd be no chance that I think Marvel or D Disney could buy just the DC component. And I, I certainly hope they wouldn't because I like the competition. Um, what you can see is that these layoffs deeply impacted every avenue from comics to their DC Direct merchandise, that's going to change to a whole different model. Uh, they, they created their own merchandising thing to be able to go and, you know, get you the stuff that you want. And, you know, you've seen my office. Uh, Forrest, you know, I have a bunch of crazy shit up on my walls mm -hmm. and toys. Yes, of course, you have, you have maybe, maybe, you are maybe the peop the person keeping DC Direct afloat. <laughs> I might be. I might have to buy some just in a, uh, in protest. But that that was to be able to get to the fans. And, and anyway, what I see is DC doing what everything else is doing. Uh, you know, uh, big print is kind of going away. Magazines are going away. Newspapers have gone away. Comic books aren't as successful as they were in the early 90s, where, you know, like, you could sell over a million issues. You know, you'd be lucky if uh, 300,000 issues get sold on a, a particular book, or, you know, you're moving. That would be huge numbers these days. So I just think this is just part of that second thing that I talked about, where they're talking about direct-to-consumer. So I think a focus on digital is going to be where they go um being able to get people dc comic subscriptions where you'll be able to pay x amount of dollars a month and you maybe can get you can subscribe to a couple of different books that they'll be putting out this lowers all the costs that they have to do because they don't have to buy physical products anymore um I think that's going to be their thing. Uh, taking DC Direct instead of running it, you have Warner Brothers. I'm sure they have their own licensing department, so they'll just license these things out like most other companies do. Like if you go to Sideshow Collectibles, they license you know DC and Marvel stuff already, so why not just ship that out and do that instead of running a whole department that has it? Um, why focus on characters... Unfortunately, and again, all this is, uh, you know, it's not great. Like, why focus on characters that you're most likely would never put in a movie? So you get rid of Young Justice because, you know what, out of Young Justice, probably the only one in there that would make it is Robin. You know, get rid of Teen Titans because the only one in there that's going to make it is probably Nightwing. I don't even think he's in the current iteration of Teen Titans. At this point, he's an adult. You know, but you're not going to see Hawkman in a movie because they already put him in the TV shows. Uh, Suicide Squad, that can be anyone you want it to be. And then depending on how this movie goes, you know, you might see Suicide Squad come back. But, you know, you're just going to focus on your Trinity and the auxiliary characters that everyone knows. And you're just going to see it 
shifted to a more digital focus. So, like I said, don't be surprised if DC Universe remains as a comic book app with some sort of battle pass or sub- sub- subscription model that you'll be able to pay for to be able to get their current focused content. Yep. And um, I guess we should say also that to be fair to... I mean, I don't know why we even have to be fair to a mega corporation like AT&T, but <laughs> to be fair to them, I guess, like, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and every entertainment company is searching um, to see how it's going to adapt. And, and um, they know probably that things won't go back to normal for a long time. So you got to, uh, you know, figure out ways to streamline and focus and you know survive to the future and who knows what what uh, form they'll take at that point but um i hope this isn't just another cautionary tale to why uh you know duopolies and monopolies are um you know are, are sort of uh, crushing the creativity out of our these industries that we love but um we're just gonna have to wait and see um but speaking of uh, entertainment uh m- monoliths um, I think we would be remiss to let this podcast go by and not um, at least honor the passing of uh, the 20th Century Fox brand. Um, Marvel, yeah. or I guess I should say DC, uh, Disney, <laughs> is, um, uh, is retiring um, the, the, the Fox part, basically. Uh, 20th Century Studios will still continue to exist um, to um, represent those Fox properties, but 20th Century Fox, that iconic intro that we all remember. Um, Cue it here. Yes, uh, is is will we gone? Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, I'm glad they didn't get rid of the 20th century part because then that would have, uh, for some strange reason, that that, that would have affected me more. Like from the, the the business side of things, I get it. Why promote anything Fox at this point? If you just slap the right. 20th century label on it it's fine people know it and they don't own fox news so i can get why they want to distance themselves from that brand if only because they they don't own it yeah i mean they own like 99 percent of it but uh rupert murdoch kept a very valuable component of it for sure yeah the Um, news part they rupert murdoch still owns fox news um, everything else Fox went to Disney. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's the end of an era. I wonder if they'll uh, they'll change that theme. Hopefully they'll, they won't. I think they'll keep it. I think it's... From judging by the logo they debuted, it's clear that they're, they're t- attempting to honor it, at the very least. Um, I think they know the value of that sort of the nostalgic twinge that people get when they see the, that art paired with that, um, that great score. So 
it, I think it's clear to me that they're going to continue to leverage that, even if we're just talking from like a cynical corporate perspective. Um, but uh, we still have to um, tip a cup um, for uh, 20th Century Fox because it is no more. Yeah, spotlights at half mass. Yep. Bring those spotlights down somehow. Yeah, so I, I, I think the long and short of it is uh, support independent creators. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of other the people who are not part of the the you know the big these big entertainment Goliaths, and um, they're making some really interesting stuff. So go out there and uh, support them and. What about Nora? You didn't cover what happens to Nora. Oh, Mr. Freeze. Oh, um, you know, I'm sure she'll be fine. Just don't say anything. Don't say anything. He just won't leave until he finds out what happens to Nora. Did you say something? Nope. nope. No, we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're fine. Uh... And check the uh, Motel 6 ice bucket. I'm sure Nora might be near there. Oh, it's hot tip. I'm out of here. Zip zop zooey. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I could just see him like running out with like a, a, a frosty uh, shadow, like mist version of himself, like all the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened, and um, that's a little tease for all you out there who are uh, the uh, Pop Saga faithful. Also, um, um, so, uh, two things. One, Number one, big shout out to Chad. You know who you are. You're the guy who's listened to all of our episodes so far, and the only confirmed um all the way through all episode uh fans so um you know no one you know if you are a bigger fan out there let me know but i'd say he might be our number one fan <laughs> so well well how should they let us know Forrest? um well please email us at the pop saga at gmail.com yes. or get in touch with us on instagram at the pop saga that's right right <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh twitter um is just pop saga i still haven't tweeted on it yet yeah well it'll happen eventually. yeah maybe you know what this episode's gonna be the inaugural uh tweet from um uh twitter oh fantastic um yeah. and uh oh i also want to address yes if you or one of the two people who listened through all the way through to the lightsaber episode. I got confirmation that um, Pop Saga All Star, my mom, <laughs> listened to the whole thing. So uh, thank you very much to the uh, maybe the number two fan. I don't know. You'll yeah, have to yeah, at me, mom. Tell me if you're the number one fan, and I'm I'm doing you uh, doing you dirty on this uh, the podcast, but. Um, uh, but if you did listen to that whole episode, uh, you will notice that we had the, well, we had some issues with the, uh, cloud recording service that we use 
and the outro got placed about five minutes 30 seconds too early so um you know we we knew that episode had problems but we decided to put it out anyway because we liked it uh i really liked our banter and the i just did not think we could recapture that same sort of magic if we re-recorded so we put it out there with a little oopsie um i hope that everyone didn't mind you know we endeavor to do the most quality uh podcast we can considering we are doing it uh, completely gratis or i should say at a loss for us <laughs> yeah whatever um, lost us i don't i don't know latin yeah so <laughs> yeah instead of gratis it's a lost us yeah. but uh yeah i just want to say um if you listen all the way through and you saw that little flub then you are an inaugural member of the flub club <laughs> you will know it's actually going to be sent out there will be no memberships or benefits to the flub club um but um you know you can you can say you're in the flub, flub club um you know when pop saga is eventually its own entertainment monopoly and uh you know we've we've bought all the properties that you love and um we're um mishandling them as well because you know we're all human (laughs) yes indeed now i'm just thinking about all the properties we're gonna buy Mm, so many properties i'll take park place (laughs) monopoly (laughs) bring it all around that's it right back to it um so as always stay happy stay healthy and we'll see you next thursday for an all new all blue pop saga is it more like uh off blue yeah yeah it's off blue well listen to it next week Zip Zop Zoo! Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy uh-huh. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies A couple of nerds, but got style We so cool, pop culture Talking new and old school, yeah You should know we love hip-hop From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch, we giving you what you want It don't get no live, I ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga, let's go Oh yeah, you heard right heard This right. is a lifestyle, welcome to the nerd life Pop Saga